0: The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I look at the way Kicking celebrate. I look at the way
1: Limerick celebrate a Munster. Right? To, to, to go, we actually want to win the Do you know? Or the treatment is just another game, another step in That's a, that's a question I have.
0: Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now.
1: Monday night rugby on off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then you're welcome along so as the rugby season takes a bit of a beat before tests in June and July the perfect week to reflect on the South African experience in the URC this season and it turns out it wasn't a half bad one the stormers of Cape Town are URC champions 2022 they beat the Bulls 18-13 in Saturday's final very happy to say Craig Gray joins us South African writer and broadcaster Craig you're very welcome thank you nice to be on 31,000 at the stadium owing to COVID restrictions. I understand you could have easily sold out the Cape Stadium. There was big interest in this finale.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They could have sold 70-odd thousand and uh, they would have easily filled it. Uh, Unfortunately, government restrictions, as nonsensical as they were, uh, were still in place. And I understand they are now going to actually do away with those restrictions at the end of the month. So uh, it would have just been handy if they had done away with them a couple of weeks early because wouldn't have made any material difference. So still, it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, it wasn't the best weather, the, the build-up to the game. There'd been a lot of rain, big storms coming through Cape Town. Uh, but that didn't really dampen the atmosphere. And the 31,000 really got into it. And, and you know, a great, great sort of story. The Stormers winning it as well, given all their off-field problems, which we can get into, if you like, a little bit later. Um, and, of course, the Bulls, a very young team, well, a mixture of a young team some journeyman pros and some old pros and you know they did pretty well uh you know to just to make the final and i guess their their semi-final win over leinster will maybe go down as one of the greatest victories in in bulls in bulls history
1: the stormers are an extraordinary story i think the is it the west province football union the overarching body are effectively in administration there's been some costly lawsuit there which is ongoing and they've lost a lot of marquee names over the last 12 24 months so In effect, they really shouldn't be here.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, in September last year, they went into administration. Salaries were getting paid late. There's a 500 million rand lawsuit pending. Um, They had sold the development rights to Newlands, to a a developer. That relationship then went sour sour between Western Province Rugby Football Union and the developer called Flight. Flight, of course, uh, did nothing wrong, really. They paid the asking price. They gave a 112 million rand loan to to the union to survive. Um, but because of some very poor leadership at the Western Province rugby union, they they were then uh, in a fight with flight. Flight said, Well, you know, we we, we did everything you asked us. And, and now you're trying to renege on the deal. So we're going to take you to court. So uh, they demanded a 388 million rand damages lawsuit, plus 112 million rand for the loan that they had already forwarded to Western province. And And, you know, we could talk about this for hours, but the bottom line is Western Mm -hmm. province can't afford that. They could, you know, that would just simply bankrupt them. Um, Eventually, at that point, the South African Rugby Union went, no, uh, we've got to step in here. And using clause 29.1 of the SARU constitution, they invoked administration. So basically, they removed the entire Western province leadership. Uh, placed an administrator, Rion Ulber, also a former CEO of South African rugby and a good rugby administrator mm. and a successful businessman in his own right. And and basically the real problem was to stabilise the union, stabilise finances, cut costs where they could, but also um, to resolve this issue, the, the, the lawsuit plus the issue of the stadium, because it all relates to the sale of Newlands, which of course, you know, the Stormers in Western Province have now moved to the Cape Town Stadium in Greenpoint, mm. which was a much newer facility. So... Um, to to offset the, the loans they owe and to pay the bills they owe, they need to sell the development rights to Newlands or and sell the precinct. And that is now in a sealed bid process, uh, a little bit more controlled, and hopefully they will be able to find a buyer. Okay. In fact, there are a couple of interested people. And if they get that buyer, they can pay off-flight and they can start functioning as a as a going concern again. So that's the sort of broad brushstrokes of the of the issue.
1: Okay. Long story short, appreciate it, but a remarkable achievement under these uh, circumstances on the Stormers' part. As for the URC season, the URC season uh, generally, so big, big interest in this All South African final, I'm sure, and maybe the semi-finals and beating Leinster and Ulster. What about for the regular season? What have interest levels been like?
0: Yeah, they've been good, but I think it took a little while. Um, It sort of just arrived, uh, you know, the URC after lockdown and, and, you know, there were Curry Cups at odd times of the year for South African supporters. You know, we used to do the Curry Cup final being in October and suddenly we were playing a Curry Cup through December, you know, and and things like that. So it took a little bit of time, I think, for fans to sort of find their feet with the tournament and understand the tournament. You know, because of COVID, we haven't had a real sort of build-up to the URC and suddenly you throw it into this tournament and... And the Stormers are playing Ospreys, and who are the Ospreys? You know, the average fan in South Africa needed to educate themselves, and us in the media needed to help educate them. So it took a little while to bed down, but I think it's it's now you know supercharged. The last sort of month of the tournament, with the South African sides winning, I think where it really turned around was that um, period where they 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 won 20 out of 22 home games, the South African teams combined when all the overseas teams came here, and I know it was an understrength Leinster and and so on, but Mm. it really captured the imagination. Suddenly people went, wow, you know, our teams aren't too bad. They're doing quite well in this thing. And, you know, I know there's a lot of factors to that, but the reality is the South African fans saw their teams winning against good opposition. They know a lot of the names from Test Rugby. And so that really created the momentum that carried over into the playoffs.
1: And how are viewing figures then? Is this on terrestrial television?
0: It's on a uh, pay channel, uh, SuperSport, which basically controls all the rugby in South Africa. Uh, they have for uh, ever since the game went professional. Essentially, uh, SuperSport are a massive contributor to South African rugby in terms of what they pay for for broadcast rights. I don't know the exact viewership figures; we haven't seen a, a final figure yet. They, they're quite hard to come by often, but uh, yeah, Super Rugby and it's. Uh, I can tell you this: in 2018, uh, Super Rugby was attracting. For the big local derbies around six hundred thousand viewers per game. Um, I would imagine the final figure would have exceeded that uh, quite comfortably, and and you probably find the, the you know you had about half a million mark for a lot of the sort of games towards the end of the of the campaign.
1: Yeah, and presumably kickoff times are preferable to games in New Zealand and Australia.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I mean you know we yeah, Saturday mornings you got used to it in South Africa, sort of watching your team on a Saturday morning playing in Wellington or, or Auckland or somewhere. Uh, but it's not ideal yeah and so the urc has been great because yeah the afternoon kickoffs you put the tv on and the Stormers are playing in dublin or wherever and it's 3 p.m or 5 p.m or even 7 p.m in the evening it's great you know people around for a bri watching the game so you know there's a lot of positives to this far more positives than negatives to moving to the urc
1: Mm. because i remember in the early part of the season The Bulls arrived and Jake White made some comments about playing Connacht and how they were very much the weakest of the Irish provinces and they lost at the sports ground on a rainy night and then were beaten by Leinster. And there was a story in the Sunday Independent, Bernard Jackman, very in touch uh, with the game and has lots of contacts around the game. And he was telling a story about how I can't quite remember which side it was, but in some respects, it's not actually important which of the four South African sides it was. But he knew that there was a team where the players had the option of being fed their dinner at the hotel or they could be on the receiving end of a per diem to go out and buy their dinner away from the hotel. And a fair proportion of the players said, oh, I'll take the per diem. And instead of spending that money on food for the evening, they would stock up on protein bars and pocket the extra money and try and boost their income that way. And whilst that's a very understandable inclination, I don't think it's best preparation to play Leinster at the weekend. So I think in the early half of the season, there was certainly a a worry about how quickly the South African sides would acclimatise, how competitive they would be. But I suppose not not dissimilar to that period you uh, refer to. Once the South African sides had home advantage and got into a bit of a rhythm, they really seemed to get to grips with the competition.
0: Yeah, I mean, that story I haven't actually heard, to be honest. And uh, it's a bit worrying if that was the case. Mm. Um, But I think there was also a lot of hotel being cooped up in hotels through bio bubbles. So that might have been a factor in that as well, just the opportunity to to get out and go see things. But yeah, um, I think they've definitely grown into the tournament. You know, there probably was a little bit of a feeling that, well, this is not the Crusaders or the Blues or... Uh, the Chiefs, you know, it should be slightly easier. You know, that might have been the mindset. Mm. And suddenly it wasn't. You know, they suddenly realized, whoa, hang on. You know, these guys can play. These guys are, are as good as anything we faced in New Zealand. And I think that, it, I think the South African sides, not all of them, and maybe not all the time, but I think some of them came in with a little bit of arrogance and got punched on the nose early on. And to their credit, I think most of them went back and went, okay, well, we now we, we know we're in for a tough time. Mm. So we've got to plan accordingly and prepare accordingly.
1: There's a degree of ignorance about this question because you mentioned things like uh, Curry Cup final now moved to December and uh, I'm not totally a affaite with the South African rugby fan and their uh, the rhythms of their year. Has the URC now supplanted what was there as the standard weekend rugby viewing for the South African rugby fan? Is that is, is that pretty much its place at the moment?
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, absolutely. And I think one of the real um yeah, question south african rugby and the average fan is wrestling with is what to do with the curry cup you know the curry cup has been the bedrock of south african rugby for for nearly or you know, more than 100 years it uh, and and now it's been relegated to a secondary competition and even during super rugby times so the curry cup almost had its own slot um so super rugby would end around may and the curry cup was then played from june through to october Mm. while the Springboks were playing test rugby and so on uh you still had a fairly strong curry cup because a lot of the provincial sides were full strength barring a few Springboks. um but now everything's overlapping the curry cup's overlapping with the urc is overlapping with uh, what's going to be champions cup next season and and the challenge cup so the curry cup has really been dissolved and diluted and it's going to be a big issue i mean for instance the curry cup finals next weekend uh it takes place next weekend, uh and it's gone through the whole summer, which would never was a summer competition in South Africa. And it's Griquas against Pumas. They've never Pumas have never been in a that's from Um Umpumalanga, if you don't know, that's the city of nelsprate where the Springboks will play the All Blacks. And Griquas are from Kimberley down the road from Bloemfontein. Um so you're talking about two minnow unions in the Curry Cup final. Uh, Greek was last played in the Curry Cup final in 1970 and the Pumas have never been in the Curry Cup final. Mm. So it, it just sort of underlines that the big teams were not able to sustain a URC campaign and a Curry Cup campaign simultaneously. Right. Certainly not to the standard that they would hope to. Uh, and, and that's going to be a problem uh, going forward for the Curry Cup, not for the URC, because the URC has been given priority in the South African rugby organogram. So it's now just a what to do with the Curry Cup situation.
1: Mm. And should we expect more South African teams uh, to be looking towards the URC and applying for inclusion?
0: Yeah, well, I, I imagine the Cheetahs are, yeah, they're they pretty hurt that they were kicked out. And yeah, they've got a little backdoor in through the Challenge Cup coming up, uh, which is which has been good of European rugby to, to sort of okay that move. It gives them a little foothold in Europe and gives their sponsors something. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah. the cheetahs would be the next cab off the rank trying to get back into URC. And and who knows, I, I, I don't know how this competition is going to play out over the coming years, but maybe they would go for a promotion relegation, some sort of mm. second tier competition that will allow other teams, maybe even teams from Georgia or wherever. Uh, do, you have, do you have a crack at getting into URC?
1: Well, let me tell you, Craig, if history is any indication, it changes name every two to three years and format entirely every three to four years <laughs> as well. That's that's how this thing tends to go. So don't get too comfortable. As uh, for the uh, financial health generally, so you've outlined the Stormers situation. They finished second in the table and have gone on to win the competition in spite of their financial woes. They're based in Cape Town. We have the Bulls finished fourth in Pretoria. Sharks quarterfinal loss to the Bulls in Durban. And then the Lions of Johannesburg 11th what is the general health of the other three teams and South African rugby generally, both in terms of finances and then the marquee names, because, I mean, we were very struck over here by the fact that the Bulls beat Leinster minus Annie Springbok. And, yeah. you know, you, you turn on rugby around the world and generally most sides have a couple of South Africans in there. Are they are they going to flood home to play for the South African sides now in the Heineken Champions Cup as well as the URC Is there going and, and a World Cup year? Is there going to be a, a boom in that respect or what is the general picture?
0: I don't think so, uh, because the RAND is, our, our currency, the RAND is so weak next to the euro and the pound. It's, it, you know, even with good international competition, with the promise of income, uh, you know, the salary, you, you do know sorry, is not getting any income for URC until 2025. Um, they're not part of the broadcast pie. So basically it's costing South African rugby to be in the URC at the moment. And the income will only start feeding into our coffers in 2025. So right. uh, from that point of view, um, you know, the, the financial situation is still fairly precarious, but um, the reality is the, the local broadcast rights are now can be sold for a little bit more because there's this, this premier competition, but in terms of getting your, your marquee players back, probably not going to happen. Uh, the, this, there's a salary cap per union at 60 million Rand, which is really not enough um, to keep big, deep squads, uh, in, in South African rugby, so you're still going to. Ha- and Jake White was actually lamenting it on on Saturday night, with the Springbok coaches selecting 16 or 17 overseas-based players. There's no disincentive for players to go and play in Europe or uh, in Britain. So um, mm. uh, it, it's it. I don't think that situation is going to change overnight. I think as the URC builds momentum, and as the champion, you know, get into the Champions Cup. And, and there might be more money in the local game, you might start seeing a few marquee players come back. But I think it's going to be a dribble rather than a flood initially.
1: Mm. Is Six Nations inclusion much talked about in South Africa? Is there a big thirst to hop into the Six Nations?
0: <laughs> well, I, I've been one writing it. It's totally part of the plan. And the plan is to be in Six Nations by, I think, 2025, possibly as early as 2024 after the World Cup. And it's certainly part of the discussions that are going on and i think the getting into the champions cup and into the challenge cup was the next step and the only logical step from there is into six nations uh what that's going to look like as far as i know it's unclear i mean maybe they have a better idea but i don't think it necessarily means italy are relegated it could become a seven nations tournament but i think you can almost
1: count on the springboks being in it by 2025 and would you say the South african rugby public is very keen for that to happen
0: I think so. I mean, yeah, the, the, we still got one foot in Sansa through the rugby championship. Yeah. Although we're out of super rugby. And although that Sansa deal also comes to an end, I don't think our um, relationship with New Zealand or Australia is going to completely fall by the wayside. So I suspect it might be the best of both worlds the Springboks playing Six Nations through, uh, you know, February, March, URC uh, Champions Cup. <coughs> Excuse me, and then into Six Nations, uh, into a Rugby Championship in in August or so. So I think South Africa could could have uh, yeah, a great sort of international calendar.
1: Mm. Jeez, you want your cake and eat it. This is amazing. You're the centerpiece of world rugby.
0: Yeah, it does feel a bit like having your cake <laughs> and eating it. And and I, I guess it's it's a product of our geography, mm. which is quite fortunate. Uh, you know, we sit on the European time zone, um, and, and that certainly helped. And I think you know, most people would agree the South African sides have added a lot of value to the UFC. Uh, I don't imagine if two Welsh sides were in the final, it would have been the same atmosphere, with all due respect to them. And I think it's also just given the Irish teams who have dominated this competition, mm. uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to look over their shoulder and say, well, there's some other players in town. And I think if that you know if they carry that kind of surprise element into the champions cup it, it can't be bad for rugby to have the Springboks in the six nations i i know it, it always feels wrong yeah you know, the six nations is so historic and so full of tradition but you know italy weren't part of it until 20 odd years ago things change and the world changes and um i don't see it as a bad thing for rugby and certainly not a bad thing for northern hemisphere rugby to have a team as good as the springboks in their annual competition
1: yeah it's going to be interesting i suppose uh, from our perspective in, in in many ways the six nations is about uh, give or take and the italian inclusion as uh, extended a touch but it's very much uh, about local rivalries and people hopping on flights on thursdays and fridays and, and nipping over here and over there and, and uh, those traditions and so i'm i'm not sure where the travel element with South Africa will fit into that. Um, I mean, there are questions over sustainability. I think increasingly as well as the uh, world continues to hurtle towards a uh, climate crisis mm. and all of these other uh, questions. But I suppose ultimately money will talk, and there will be money to be made in an extra round of matches and then you know South African eyeballs on this tournament. And ultimately, I don't think CVC are involved just for the fun of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's. A crucial point you make the cbc yeah, you know, the, the south african rugby is a long way down the road in uh, coming to an equity agreement with cbc as well so it all fits into the cbc portfolio doesn't it you know you've got uh, these all these tournaments and it it would look a bit strange on their books to have a marquee team such as the Springboks who they now would be equity partners with with on the outside looking into six nations so you're right money's going to talk ultimately yeah, and it, there'll probably be different ways of doing it. Mm. Uh, the Springboks will have two weekends at home, so you'll have Ireland and Wales, for instance, playing matches in consecutive weekends in South Africa. Mm. And then the Springboks will go over for you know, England and Italy or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it won't be up and down every weekend, I don't think. Um, and especially if uh, there's an extra team, then you've got nice round number of three matches per weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I think logistically it might work out a little bit better. better. Yeah, season. I know.
1: I think and the players I wouldn't worry about and they'll have first-class travel and be well looked after. It's almost mm. the fans on that aspect of the tournament which enriches it in But so South Africa is
0: cheaper. It's cheap for a European... Compared, I mean, I would imagine a weekend flying from Dublin to Cape Town would probably cost you less than going to London in terms of your actual spend on the ground because your euro will go a long way here. Um, Perhaps. So it, yeah. is a long, Perhaps. it is a longer flight. Sure, you've got mm. to give yourself a bit more time for that. But... And the flight might be more expensive, well, it would be more expensive. But once you, yeah, your hotel, relatively speaking, and your entertainment dollar is going to go a much longer way than it would in London or Paris or somewhere like that.
1: Yeah, know, well, we'll see. It's all down the road. And the European experiment next year is going to be very, very interesting. Like in some respects, there are too many teams in the Heineken Champions Cup who don't want to be in it necessarily, don't believe they can win it and often don't play their best sides because they prefer the top mm-hmm. 14 or maybe to a lesser extent the premiership. So having South African teams fully invest in that will, will maybe bolster that competition. Uh, Just one last point. You know, you mentioned all those 16, 17 uh, Springboks playing further afield and away from uh, the South African club sides. Are they ever put under a kind of, I don't know what the right word here is, but like a moral pressure to play at home and to come back home? Or is it generally accepted? Yeah, off you go, do your thing, and we'll see you in a Springbok jersey whenever suits you, no problem.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're under pressure. I don't think they feel that because they know that, they're allowed to do that. Mm. And in many ways, it's actually been to South African rugby's benefit for a few years, you know, getting some very expensive players off the books. Dwayne Vermeulen mm. at Ulster, you know, is is off the books for argument's sake. So that saves South African rugby a, a big lot of its its budget. Um, you know, so uh, Cheslin Colby, you know, can't be afforded in South Africa mm. uh, at, at his current market rate. So I, I think financially, it just makes sense for South African rugby. That might not always be the case. And ideally, everyone in a perfect world you'd want all your best players playing in in one of your domestic teams Um, but I think South African rugby we've got to look at ourselves a little bit I know I don't want to sound too arrogant but a little bit like the Brazil or Argentina football Um, we're an export market yeah Uh, we produce good players uh, as those two countries do and other South American countries but our league is strong and competitive and if you played against us you would you, you find it quite difficult as as any soccer team would playing against you know Gremio or you know Boca Juniors or something but the reality is your best players are being lured to the richest markets in the world and that's pretty much holds true
1: for South African rugby as well yeah I listen to uh, pitch up and the RDS beat Leinster without a Springbok uh, suggests a real strength and depth for sure uh, Craig thanks so much for coming on and giving us that perspective on year one of the URC we'll talk to you soon much appreciated yeah, It was
0: a great pleasure Thanks Carl yeah, Let's uh, do it again
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely Craig Ray there With us from South Africa And our rugby coverage On Off the Ball Is with thanks to Vodafone Main sponsor Of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us Monday Night Rugby On Off the Ball With Vodafone Main sponsor Of the Irish rugby team We all belong To the team of us